Well, banking fears have fallen away today with someone buying the remnants of the Silicon Valley Bank and Deutsche Bank seem to be less of a concern now. So it's back to more hawkish central banks. But how far do they have to go? Further than markets expect seems to be the answer to that one. And great expectations in the German IFO read yesterday and today Aussie retail sales. That and inflation, the last two big numbers to influence the RBA's decision next week. It's Tuesday, the 28th of March, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. equities are on the rise on the most part. At close in the U.S., the Dow is up 0.6%, a 0.2% rise in the S&P 500, but a 0.5% drop in the Nasdaq. Big rises in Europe, though. The DAX closed 1.1% up, 0.9% higher for the FTSE 100. And bond yields also on the up. Ten-year treasuries up 16 basis points, up 23 for two years, back over 4%. Uh, German 10 years are up 10, uh, up 8 for 10-year gilt yields in the U.K., a couple of basis points higher than, than that for two-year gilts, whilst Aussie 10 years yesterday down a couple of basis points at 3.19%, but up 10 overnight, up to 3.29% on futures. Uh, There's been a a quarter percent fall in the US dollar on the DXY. The Aussie hasn't moved much. It's stuck just below 66.5 US cents, a 0.6% lift in the Canadian dollar, a 0.4% rise in the pound, 0.3% up for the euro, and a 0.7% drop in the Japanese yen, and a leap of faith in oil. Remember we did say yesterday that maybe it was ready to come bouncing back. Well, it has. Uh, WTI up 5.1% this morning. Brent up over 4%, pushing past $78. So what now? What next? Let's ask Gray Atrell. Maybe he knows uh, from NAB in Sydney. So yields rising, shares rising, well, apart from tech. So... Some of this will come down to the fact that we've seen the acquisition of Silicon Valley Bank by First Citizens Bank. Uh, their share price is up to 50 cents on that news. Deutsche Bank also up today. So it seems like that was a bit of idle speculation that's been passed over for now. So a bit more confidence around, isn't there? It does seem to be. Morning, Phil. Yes, it's. Uh, I think it's the, the fact that the, the no bad news is good news, but a little bit of potentially good news, as you say, that... Um, First Citizens Bank care a takeover of, of SVB, basically brokered by the FDIC. As you say, seen their share price up 50%. Deutsche um, is actually up, what, 14% off the lows now and up, what, 6% mm. on the day. Um, and that KBW bank index, which we follow, is up a couple of points to 80. Although if you look at the chart, it's uh, it's still a bit, pretty miserable picture. That, that index was 110 at the beginning of March. So let's not get too carried away with any suggestions that, uh, you know, banking sector woes are behind us at least. But, um, you know, it does seem that the various uh, efforts of policymakers to provide assurance that, uh, that there aren't systemic issues here do seem to have uh, had some effect at least. And, uh, you know, and uh, yeah. Andrew Bailey's been out talking and, and again trying to draw that very, very sharp distinction between, um, you know, not being distracted from the fight against inflation and, and using macro prudential policy to uh, to deal with, with banking sector issues. So that does seem to have uh, resonated through no more so than looking at those front end US Treasury yields. So what two year um, treasuries yeah. up? What are they up? 23 basis points on the day. Um, although I have seen there was a really badly received two-year note auction a couple of hours ago. So the yields were down at sort of 3.92, 3.93. Um, went up yeah. a couple of basis points on a bad auction, and that sort of followed through to, to I think, twos have hit, uh, have had briefly hit 4% again, haven't they, overnight? So, um, 
Um, and, and that's probably why the NAS, you know, rising rates, probably why the NASDAQ, which is the most interest rate sensitive of the major stock indices, is, is an underperformer relative to the likes of the S&P and the Dow. So everyone's putting rates up. That seems to be the well, except for perhaps the RBA. We'll come on to that. But uh, I mean, certainly it's expected from the Fed. And we had uh, Bloomberg reporting that for the ECB, Isabel Schnabel was the ringleader uh, behind the decision to signal future uh, interest rate hikes, so as though there's going to be many more of them. It hardly comes as a surprise because a month ago they were reporting that uh, she was saying, you know, the policy has had little effect so far. So she is pretty hawkish, isn't well, she? Well, she's been the most hawkish, right? So ECB hawk sounds mm. hawkish. But you know, let's move on. It's not, <laughs> but jump, <laughs> not but a the, great surprise. No, but, but, you know, that said, the, the message it certainly is. has been the case that the hawks have been in the ascendancy, at least. But again, as you say, that essential message that uh, they shouldn't be distracted from the inflation fight with, with what's going on in, uh, in in the banking sector. So, uh, yeah. you know, in that sense, it still, you know, seems more likely than not that there are further, uh, at least one further ECB rate rise uh, in the chamber. And yeah, in the FT today, quoting UBS, is saying uh, they reckon more than half of the 32 central banks they track will have lowered their policy rates by the end of the year. Oh, the RBA isn't one of them, incidentally. Uh, I mean, n- none of them are going to be down by much, but uh, bigger falls next year. But I mean, uh, you know, the the Fed is one of them, and so we've still got this uh, this dispute, haven't we, between what the Fed thinks and uh, what investors think? Yes, I think so. Although, funny, we were discussing that internally yesterday. And what do you have to remember? So, if you look at say the Fed's latest dot plot, and then you look at market pricing, you say the market, you know, isn't having a bar of what the Fed is selling. But what you have to remember is that those Fed dots of the individual members are their view of policy based on a central scenario. What markets do is effectively, you've got, a, if you like, a probability adjusted uh, rates curve that says, okay, so, you know, there's a 70% chance that the Fed's going to raise rates again or isn't going to raise, isn't going to cut rates over X period. Um, but you've got to factor in well, you know, that very fat tail risk that rates, uh, that rates will be cut. So you've got different views that are reflected in that. But effectively, you say, you know, if you ask the Fed to give a, you know, uh, to act the same way that the market did and said, well, you know, assign different probabilities to different outcomes, uh, I guarantee that the dot plot wouldn't look quite as uh, as hawkish, if mm. that's the right word, uh, that it actually does. And yet, you know, th- that talk that Andrew Bailey was giving at the uh, London School of Economics, I mean, the, you might not have heard this because it's only, I think I only saw it released like an hour ago. But I mean, he gave a great introduction, by the way, to how monetary policy is supposed to work. If you want to go right back to the beginning of his, his speech and, uh, and and pick up so, um, sort of monetary policy 101. But he was in it. He talked about how, you know, you've got to get the supply uh, and demand balance right. And supply and productivity haven't yet in the UK got back to pre-GFC levels for, for whatever reason. And he sort of pontificated on what that might be. But if that is the case then surely the only way forward is, I mean, you've either got to get that productivity up, which they haven't been able to do for 14 years, or they need to get demand down, which would mean demand destruction, which means a lot more rate rises, surely. Absolutely. No, that is, that is the message. So productivity is key. So think, think about, um, you know, think about down here in Australia, for example, you know, the RBA's view um, has been that, you know, we can have wages growth in the economy um, at something close to, you know, three and a half, four percent, as long and that can, will be consistent with a two to three percent inflation target, but the underlying assumption there 
is that you've got productivity growth in the economy of at least 1%. Therefore, so effectively, unit wage costs, you know, are only rising as fast as your inflation target. And, you know, and the UK's productivity performance, um, you know, not just pro- post-Brexit, but certainly partly because of of the Brexit vote has been lamentable. It's actually in the last 10 years, it's been below Italy's, who was always can be considered to be the sort of sick man of Europe when it comes to... And they're not going to fix that in the next year productivity. Well, no, I mean, obviously, you know, certain things are starting, some wheels are you know, happening, and, and obviously the things like the Northern Ireland Agreement and prospects for improved trade flows, I mean, they, they may help the economy grow, but they're not you know, necessarily directly going to add to, uh, to productivity, although one might think that if we do see the you know, efforts to, to encourage more inward migration to fill skill shortages, etc., then that, um, you know, that may over time help yeah. uh, feed productivity, but, uh, but ultimately you know, productivity tends to be a function of business investment. And, you know, without, um, you know, businesses being incentivized uh, or, you know, to, to, to really pick up business investment, then um, it's hard to see any meaningful step change in productivity anywhere. So it's a uh, long time then, isn't it? Yes, indeed, it is. Same it's time, you talked about, uh, you know, rates have to go up. But um, I did see, um, you know, that Andrew Betty did say that, that rates are not going to have to go up to the levels that we had pre GFC, but um, I was just looking at those before we uh, before we came on air, and you know we we got to think we got five point seven five percent as the pre GFC high, and we were running at about five percent mm. at the point where Lehman's collapsed. So um, you know no one's expecting rates to go north of five percent, but um, but I think the essential message is that um, you know we'll act on the data, but you know it hasn't done anything to dissuade the market from the view that there's more likely than not there's at least another interest rate rise um, to come, and market and pricing that, that, is, is is saying. Same. I think it's got something like nineteen basis points of, uh, of um, tightening priced for the uh, for the main right. meeting. Sorry, the, the yeah the main meeting. So uh, just over the the way in in Europe, the uh, German IFO uh, business climate read came in. So uh, you know a a, a good positive signal. Uh, ninety three point three from ninety one point one. It was expected to fall a little, but it didn't. Instead, uh, they had the sixth rise in a row. And look at this, expectations have gone from 88.4, they were expected to fall, they've actually gone up to 91.2. So there is, for whatever reason, quite a bit of optimism growing in Europe. No, there certainly seems to be, and certainly uh, German industry looks to be uh, happy to look through um, you know, the current banking sector volatility. I mean, the, the survey is pretty consistent with the messages from um, last Friday's uh, PMI data, particularly for the service sector, at least. And you know, the fact that, um, that, that Germany in particular has, you know, has weathered the winter better than many people expected, and, and we're now effectively at the end of, uh, the end of winter, um, you know, and we've seen that further fallback in, in wholesale gas prices you know i think that's certainly contributed to the somewhat better mood and at some point someone's got to help rebuild ukraine you know so uh, there's got to be a spike in activity at some point coming from that perhaps now look uh, we get the uh, the monthly read for february for retail sales for australia today 1.9 percent growth last time if this comes in strong then what does that mean for expectations for a 25 basis point hike uh, for the rba next week because i know nab is expecting that but the market isn't everyone else is expecting it's going to be flat well, certainly there, there does seem to be some some peculiar things going on at the front end of the money market because you know I don't I haven't got many people um, you know suggesting that there is a zero probability of uh, a rate hike next week. So um, you know, but sometimes you know liquidity and positioning you know can you know can put money, money market rates yeah. at levels that aren't necessarily consistent with what people really think uh, in terms of the rates. But yes, retail sales is the third of the four uh, indicators that uh, Governor Lowe had. Uh, told us that would be guiding the decision obviously and we've had the NAB survey and uh 
Um, you know, we had the strong employment numbers and it's retail sales today and then the, the monthly CPI numbers later in the week. Probably the CPI numbers, I think, will probably be more important than retail sales. And, um, you know, and NAFS economists have actually penciled in a flat outcome for, for retail sales and generally saying that the underlying picture has been pretty flat um, since late last year. So if we get a, you know, if we do get a zero or a negative print, I, I'm not sure that necessarily falls into the, the camp of, uh, or the side of the ledger that says, yes, rates should go up next week. So I can see a little bit of, uh, a little bit of volatility there, but whether the market is suddenly going to, you know, go from pricing no chance of a rate hike to, uh, to, to a 50% chance, I doubt that uh, the retail sales number has the power to, to have that much. Right. But what about if, okay, so if retail is soft though, and then the inflation read later this week comes in lower than expected as well. Is that enough to uh, make the RBA stave off doing anything next week? Well, that, that's still, from a macroeconomic perspective, we still think the case is there. Um, and obviously, you know, pol- um, you know, regulators and, and the RBA have been, have been at pains to point out that, uh, you know, the banking system here, you know, doesn't have any of the, the, the characteristics that, um, you know, that have, have been plaguing, obviously, you know, some banks in, in, in Europe and the US. So, uh, you know, in that sense, you say that they should be less influenced by what's going on in, in, in the banking and financial sector than, than the case in other jurisdictions, and of course the Fed and the ECB have, have, have both you know, voted with their uh, <laughs> voted with their feed and raised rates, haven't they? So in that sense, yeah. you'd say that uh, that the rates should should still be raised. But at the same time, you know the RBA has has made clear through uh, comments and and minutes that um, you know it's been contemplating a pause now for a couple of months. So you know arguably they could say look, this pause is not driven by you know, any concerns about feedback loops from the financial sector. It's simply that we think that, you know, policy's got, you know, for now sufficiently restrictive um, and the data isn't giving us an absolutely compelling need to push on. So, um, there we are. All that said, all that said, <laughs> you know, zero percent probably. In fact, I think there's about one basis point of cuts priced in for next week. So um, I'm going right. to stick my neck out and say we're not going to get a rate cut from the RBA oh, next week. Oh. How about that? <laughs> wow. There we are. Good. Good lord. Okay. Now look, Ellis Connolly from the RBA is talking today. I don't think we're going to get much away from her because oh, hey, I should say because he's uh, talking about the shift to electronic payments. I mean, that that would explain why I haven't taken any money out of my cash machine all this year. I thought it was because I was spending less, but apparently not. Uh, and Philip Jefferson from the FOMC speaking on monetary policy. We get the U.S. Conference Board Consumer Confidence Read, the U.S. Goods Trades Balance and Pending Home Sales. It's all sort of like second tier stuff, isn't it, really? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I think I'd probably pick that Conference Board Consumer Conference. Remember, we had that quite uh, significant dip in the University of Michigan's um, index. And, and we wondered whether banking sector issues had, had had some impact there. So um, mm. the Conference Board one's expected to be down a point or so. So a lesser dip. Uh, than we saw in Michigan. So I think that's probably the pick of a, as I say, pretty meagre crop offshore tonight. All right, very good. We'll keep an eye on those retail figures today anyway. Good to talk, Ray. Catch you next time. Really, thanks, Phil. There we are. Very brave man, Ray Atrell, going with the other 99% in predicting that the RBA won't cut rates next week. Uh, That's it from me today. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.